باب فضل ما بين القبر والمنبري the virtue of the place that is between the grave and the mimbar back to the masjid of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam what is the virtue of performing salah in the area that is between the grave of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the mimbar okay what is that place called by the way hmm it is a rawda meaning it's a garden min riyadul jannah from the gardens of paradise so that place is literally heaven on earth literally okay you know people say this about random places in the world right heaven on earth why because it's just a beautiful building and it's beautifully decorated well you may feel uh, very good inside but actual heaven on earth is here the rawda yeah about many beautiful places in the world that's how people will you know praise that place they will describe it but the thing is that jannah is more beautiful okay it is more beautiful but if there is one place of jannah in this world it is that place in the masjid of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam what is in that place is there like a massive waterfall there or things are made of gold and silver and is it what is it over there hmm there's just a carpet over there isn't it but what do you do over there you pray salah over there right and that is an experience of jannah worshiping allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and praising him Okay this is the area between the grave and the mimbar all right now remember that this area was significant even before the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was buried next to it all right the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was buried where in his house in the hujra of aisha radhiyallahu anha all right so it's basically the original part of the masjid if you think about it it's the place that is between the grave and the mimbar not the place of the grave all right let's look at the hadith haddathana abdullah ibn yusuf akhbarana malik an abdullah ibn abi bakr an abbad ibn tamim an abdullah ibn zayd al-mazini radiyallahu anhu anna rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said ma bayna bayti wa minbari that which is between my house and my mimbar Raudatun is a rawda, a garden min riyadil jannah from the gardens of jannah. So you see here in this hadith, what is mentioned? My house, because at that time that was his house. So when you go to Masjidun Nabawi, yes, performing prayer in any part of the Masjidun Nabawi is great. There is a significant reward in that. But performing prayer in this location, right, is also very significant. This is similar to how when you go to Masjidul Haram where do you aim to pray Maqam Ibrahim and the Hatim isn't it you want to get inside the Hatim correct why because that part is i mean part of the Kaaba so praying there is like praying inside the Kaaba all right but we see that this place in the masjid of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is literally a garden from the gardens of jannah 
حدثنا مسدد عن يحيى عن عبيد الله قال حدثني خبيب بن عبد الرحمن عن حفص بن عاصم عن ابي هريره رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال ما بين بيتي ومنبري روضه من رياض الجنه he said that what the area between my house and my minbar is a garden from the gardens of jannah ومنبري على حوضي and my minbar will be at my hawd What does that mean? Hawd. It's the hawd on the day of judgment. Alright? Remember that every prophet of Allah will have his own hawd. Where the believers from his ummah will come to drink from his hawd. You understand? And the hawd of the Prophet ﷺ will be the largest and the busiest. Why? Because the size of, I mean, the number of the people of his ummah is the most. Alright? Also remember, tell me something, when is it that people will arrive at the Hawd? When? After crossing the bridge? After crossing the Sarat? Okay, anybody else? After the Hisab? Okay, yes. Before the Hisab? Okay, yes. Before entering Jannah, okay, yes. During the wait, before the hisab, okay. You see, we're not sure. We're not sure. On the day of judgment, what's going to happen is that once the people are resurrected and gathered in the hashr, the great gathering, there will be a long, long wait. Right? Before the hisab will begin. This is the time when the sun will be brought very near, so people will be drowning in their sweat. Some people, their punishment will already begin. Such that, those who did not give zakat, or those who hoarded their wealth, their wealth will be around their neck, like a snake, biting them. Some people will be like the size of ants. The martyr, the martyr from his wounds, the smell of musk will emanate. Some people will be under the shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's throne. Otherwise, people will be under the shade of their sadaqah. This wait will be so long that people will finally go to Adam alayhi salam. Request your Lord to begin the judgment. He will refuse. They will go to Ibrahim alayhi salam. Musa alayhi salam. Before that, Nuh alayhi salam. Ibrahim alayhi salam. Musa alayhi salam. Isa alayhi salam. Finally, to Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And what will he do? He will praise and glorify Allah at Maqam Mahmud. Then he will be given permission to intercede, to request. And then after that, the judgment will begin. The beginning of the judgment means what? That the scales are set up. And then the records are distributed. Some people, right here, their deeds will be destroyed, haba'am mansura, and they'll be taken straight to hellfire, in groups, behind their leaders, or dragged. And the people that will remain for hisab, meaning who will be questioned, are people who will qualify for the hisab. Those who will qualify for hisab. And then hisab will happen. Some people, they will just be questioned, in general terms, and others will be interrogated. Those who are interrogated will be doomed. Right? 
Some people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask them privately. He will show them their sins. They will confess. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive them. Allahumma ja'allah minhum. And then what will happen after the hisab, those who will pass the hisab will proceed towards the bridge, the sirat. But before the sirat is the hawd. Before the sirat is the hawd. So people will drink water at the hawd. Now these are who? People who have passed the hisab, who will arrive at the hawd of their prophets. But even then, some people will be prevented. So people will drink from the hawd, those who will drink will never get thirsty again. Correct? Isn't that what we learn? Then, after drinking from the hawd, people will go to the sirat, the bridge that is suspended over hellfire. So who will get onto the sirat? Who? Those who have gone through the hisab, who arrived at the hawd, whether or not they were able to drink from the hawd, that's a different discussion because some people will be rejected from the hawd. Right? They will go onto the sirat. At the sirat there is complete darkness. And there every person will be given his own light, his own speed. And each person will cross the sirat independently. You cannot have anybody to hold on to. No friend to wait for you. No friend to give you encouragement. In fact, we learn about the hypocrites that they will call the believers that wait for us. Let us share some of your light. Now here on the sirat, some people will fall and some people will manage to cross the sirat. Now after crossing the sirat, after crossing the sirat, there is another bridge to Jannah. And that is the Qantara. And it is at the Qantara that the hearts will be cleaned. Even after the hisab, the records are clear with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but they're not necessarily clear with people. There's still some bad feeling, some animosity, some grudge, right? Unforgiveness or whatever that is in the heart. So we learned that فَإِذَا هُذِّبُوا When they will be disciplined, meaning their feelings are disciplined, their hearts are cleansed, then people will arrive at the gates of Jannah. And the gates of Jannah are huge. So people will enter not one after the other. People will enter in Jannah together. You understand? The gates of Jannah are broad. They're very big. So people will enter in the form of rows. You understand? Rows. So where is the hawd now? Tell me. Before the bridge. Before the bridge. Now the hawd of the Prophet ﷺ, like I mentioned to you, it will be the biggest and the busiest, but every Prophet will have his own hawd. And the hawd of the Prophet ﷺ, its water will come from where? From two streams of Jannah. So it is... Literally, heavenly water. Which is why anybody who will drink from it will never feel thirsty again. Isn't it? So after entering Jannah, people will drink whatever they drink because of thirst, because of some need? No, because of pure pleasure. For the sake of pure pleasure. Because there is no more thirst. 
There is no more need to drink after drinking from the hawd. And the hawd, the Prophet ﷺ said that mimbari, my mimbar, will be at my hawd. Meaning, the Prophet ﷺ's mimbar will be there, he will be on his mimbar, and from there he will give water to the people of his ummah. Allahumma ja'alna minhum. So mimbari ala hawdi. So this hadith tells us about the significance of praying in this exact location in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ. The next one, bab masjidi baytil maqdis. Performing prayer in the baytul maqdis. Meaning what is the virtue? Because in the hadith we learned about the three places. So this is the third place. حدثنا أبو الوليد حدثنا شعبة عن عبد الملك سمعت قزعة مولى زياد قال سمعت أبا سعيد الخدري رضي الله عنه So remember I mentioned to you that the first hadith we learned in this chapter I said that this will be mentioned in its totality at the end of the book So this is the hadith that Imam Bukhari now is going to mention in its entirety so Qaza'a, who was the Mawla, the freed slave of Ziyad, he said that Samirtu Aba Sa'idin al Khudri radiallahu anhu, I heard from Abu Sa'id radiallahu anhu, you had bi That he would narrate four things. An Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So I heard four things from him. Fa'arjabnani wa anaknani. What does that mean? That they pleased me and delighted me. Meaning when I heard about these four things, every time I remember them, when Abu Sa'id narrated these four things to me, these four statements, they just make me very happy. Why Why would he be very happy on hearing these four statements or knowing that he had heard these four statements from the Prophet ﷺ? What was the happiness about? What was the happiness about? One, of course, the content of these four statements, what these four statements said, but secondly, the fact that these are statements of the of the Prophet ﷺ. I heard from Abu Sa'id who heard from the Prophet ﷺ. You see, have you ever been to like, you, know, you go to somebody's house and then they show you things that they have from different parts of the world? Right? Like for example, they'll say, this sand I brought from Medina. Right? This thread is a thread of the Kiswa of the Kaaba. Huh? Things like that. This rock I got from Jabal nur Right? People, you know, whenever we go somewhere, we collect certain things. Or people will, you know, show their, let's say, jewelry. They'll say, you know, my great-great-great-grandmother got this. Right? And then she gave it to her daughter. Who gave it to her daughter? Who gave it to her daughter? And now I have it. Right? So these things you value a lot. Just looking at, you'll never wear it, right? Because it's outdated, it's not clean, or it doesn't fit you. You'll never wear it, but the fact that you have it pleases you. Which treasure did the prophets leave behind? Which treasure? It was knowledge. The prophets of Allah do not leave behind dinar and dirham. They left behind knowledge, ilm. So this man, Qaza'a, he was extremely happy that he had these four precious things that had come to him from the Prophet ﷺ. What are these four statements that he had heard from Abu Sa'id radiallahu anhu? Firstly, قَالَ لَا تُسَافِرِ الْمَرْأَةُ يَوْمَيْنِ إِلَّا مَعَهَا زَوْجُهَا 
لا تسافر she should not travel هو المرأة the woman يوميني for two days إلا except معها زوجها with her should be her husband أو ذو محرم or some محرم meaning a journey of two days should not be without a محرم or or the زوج secondly ولا صوم في يومين الفطر والأضحى there is no fasting on two days what are those two days? the day of Eids whether it's the Eid of Fitr or the Eid of Adha وَلَا صَلَاةَ بَعْدَ صَلَاتَيْنِ the third statement there is no prayer after two prayers what are those two prayers? بَعْدَ الصُّبْحِ حَتَّى تَطْلُعَ الشَّمْسِ after Fajr until the sun rises وَبَعْدَ الْعَصْرِ حَتَّى تَغْرُبَ and after Asr until the sun sets and the fourth statement وَلَا تُشَدُّ الرِّحَالُ إِلَّا إِلَى ثَلَاثَةِ مَسَاجِدٍ and that there is no traveling except to three mosques. And these are Masjid al-Haram, wa Masjid al-Aqsa, wa Masjidi. Masjid al-Haram, Masjid al-Aqsa in Jerusalem, and Masjidi, the Masjid of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So from this hadith, Imam Bukhari is proving the virtue of praying salah in which Masjid? Which Masjid? Masjid al-Aqsa Because that is the chapter heading Now in all of these ahadith We have seen the significance of Praying in these places Alright And what are these places? The three of course Then we also learned about the importance of praying in Masjid Quba Alright So when we do go to the city These sacred lands These sacred places What exactly are we supposed to do? Because what happens is when you go there you meet some taxi driver who says, let me give you a tour of this place. And, you know, people don't tell you there's so many important places over here. And you're like, okay, let's go. And then you go and you're not sure. Should I make dua here? Should I pray here? Should I touch this place? You know, is it Mubarak? Like, there's some kind of confusion. Right? Even when people go to the masjid of the Prophet wasallam, the rawda is there, the grave is there, Right? But they're not sure. What am I supposed to do? Especially when you see people doing all sorts of things. Isn't it? Some people are literally prostrating in the direction of the grave. Some people are throwing pieces of paper inside the railing. Right? There's confusion. So what is right? What is not right? What should we do? What is it that we should not do? Right? So beginning with Masjid al-Haram. This is the month of Ramadan, last nights. Make dua to Allah that Allah allows you to visit all of these three places. More and more. You know like every Ramadan, you know we hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us the next Ramadan also. Because of Laylatul Qadr. Right? We should also wish for visiting the house of Allah. Because praying there multiplies the reward. Praying in Masjid al-Nabawi also multiplies the reward. And for Allah, nothing at all is difficult. Right? Nothing at all is difficult. You might see that you don't have the means to go there. You don't have the financial means. You can't even think about it. You can't even imagine it. And when you find out about Hajj prices, you're like, oh, I can only wish. Right? But who is your provider? It is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you make the intention by praying for it. Right? You make the intention and you start making dua for it. That this is something that I have to do. I want to do. Oh Allah, you enable me. And when we go there inshaAllah, this is what we have to do. So starting from Masjidul Haram. 
Remember that when you go to Masjid Al-Haram or Masjid Al-Nabawi, any of these places, the aim should be to draw close to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To attain taqwa, to have our sins forgiven. Right? So this is why our number one priority when visiting these places should be what? Worship. Worship. You know, you get nice arbayas almost everywhere in the world. Isn't it? So go to Mecca, and your goal should not be to get the best abayas in the world. Your goal should be to perform worship over there. And yes, while passing by, if you see a nice store and you get to order an abaya, okay, alhamdulillah. But that should not be your ultimate concern. Right? Or buying gold and things like that. There's no harm in getting it, but your main number one concern should be, should be what? Worship, ibadah. To reflect to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to draw close to Allah. So in Masjid al-Haram, of course, if you're going for Umrah, Hajj, you do that. But otherwise, do tawaf. The best act of worship you can perform in the Kaaba or in Masjid al-Haram is which one? Tawaf. This is better than even performing voluntary prayer in Masjid al-Haram. You know why? Because voluntary prayer you can perform anywhere. Tawaf. Can you do anywhere else in the world? No. You can perform voluntary prayer in the airplane in the sky. Isn't it? But when it comes to tawaf, you can only do it around the Kaaba. One place in the world. Now the thing is that day by day, this place is getting busier and busier. Alright? So, you know, before, yes, maybe you could do tawaf in the actual mataf. Right? Very close to the Kaaba. But now, you know, it might be very difficult. So what that means is that a tawaf that would on average take maybe 20 minutes, now could take you up to two hours. Right? So if you can manage to get one tawaf a day also, go for it. If you save all of your energy for that one tawaf, go for it. Alright? Secondly, remember that performing prayer in Masjid al-Haram is multiplied by a hundred thousand the reward for prayer in Masjid al-Haram is multiplied by 100,000. So what does that mean? Pray your fard in the haram. Okay? Don't say that, well, you know what, we're traveling, so I can just join the prayers and you know spend these few hours in the mall. No. Perform every prayer in the haram because the reward will be multiplied 100,000 times. 100,000. Do we have the ability to perform a hundred thousand rakat? Seriously? Even if we tried to, we wouldn't be able to. Allah is generous. So take advantage of that place. Also remember that generally after salah over there, janazah, prayer is performed. And there is huge reward for performing salatul janazah, the reward of qirat, right, which is a huge mountain, right, mountain load. So inshallah, the next chapter will be on prayer, actions in salah, and the chapter after that will be on janaiz. So we will learn about the issues of salatul janazah also. Otherwise, spend your time in tilawa, tahajjud, giving sadaqah, helping those who are around you, those who are in need, make room for other people. Do not ever walk in front of a person who is performing the prayer. Do not walk in front of them because that is a huge sin. When it comes to the city of Medina, 
remember that Medina is also a very significant place. The Prophet ﷺ said that Inna Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalamu harrama makkata. Ibrahim alayhi salam made Makkah sacred. Wa inni uharrimu ma bayna labatayha yuridul Medina. And he said that I declare sacred the area that is between its two rocky terrains. And the Prophet ﷺ was referring to Medina. So he said, Ibrahim ﷺ declared Makkah sacred, and I declare Medina sacred. The Prophet ﷺ also said, Umirtu bi qaryatin ta'kulul qura, yaquluna yathrib, wa hiya al-Madina. Tanfil nas, kama yanfil kiru khabath al-hadid. He said that I have been commanded to go to a place that will consume all other places. Meaning, that will be like the leader of all other places. Top of the list. And what he meant by that was Medina. He said people call it Yathrib, but it is actually Medina. And it will expel the impure people just as impurity is expelled from iron. Meaning when it's heated, impurity is expelled, it rises to the surface and you remove it. Just like that, the impure people will be expelled from the city of Medina. The Prophet ﷺ also said about Medina, هذه طابة. This is Taba. What does Taba mean? A good place. The Prophet ﷺ, when he migrated to Medina with his companions, many companions fell ill. And Aisha radiallahu anha went to visit Bilal radiallahu anhu. And Bilal radiallahu anhu, he was sick, he had high fever, and he was missing Makkah. And he was saying, I wish that I could drink the water of such and such spring. He's not talking about Zamzam, he's talking about some other spring. And the water in Makkah was not the best water. But he was missing every part of Makkah. So Aisha radiallahu anha came and told the Prophet ﷺ that this is what Bilal radiallahu anhu was saying. Like he's really missing Makkah. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Allahumma habib ilayna al-Madinata kama habbabta Makkata. That, oh Allah, make Medina beloved to us just as you have made Makkah beloved to us. So we should love Medina as we love Makkah. Right? But we should realize that Makkah, you know, has its own significance because the Masjid al-Haram is there. The Kaaba, the Baytullah is there. Now what happens is that when people go for Umrah, they go to Makkah, they're like, okay, Salah, Tawaf, Salah, Tawaf, Salah, Tawaf. Right? When they go to Medina, they're like, okay, there's only Salah here, what do we do? They get bored. Don't get bored. Enjoy that place. Because even that is a very beloved place. The Prophet ﷺ loved Medina so much that every time he would return to Medina from an expedition and he would see the walls of the city from a distance, he would kind of speed up. He would speed up. Like, as if he couldn't wait to get home. He made many du'as for the city of Medina and he also declared it sacred. And when it comes to the city of Medina, there are a number of places which are significant. Firstly, the masjid. The masjid. In the hadith that we learned earlier, we learned that performing prayer in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, the reward of that is multiplied how many times? A thousand times. Now, when you go to the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, how should you go? How should you go? 
enter the masjid as you enter any other masjid. Right? Say the dua of entering the masjid. Observe the etiquette of entering the masjid. Perform the tahiyyatul masjid. Correct? And perform your salah over there, etc. When it comes to visiting the grave of the Prophet wasallam, Can you do that? Yes, you can. In hadith we learned, the Prophet wasallam said that I used to forbid you from visiting the graves, but now go. Isn't it? And he cursed the zuwarat of the graves. Who are the zuwarat? The women who visit very frequently. It's their routine to visit the graves. And this was like a, a profession at that time. Just as women were hired to cry, so women were kind of expected to visit the grave of a respected noble individual over and over and over again to show that, oh, this guy who died was so important. That so many women are coming to visit his grave. So women are allowed to visit the graves, all right? As long as it is done in the correct way, not all the time. Alright? And this includes visit the grave of the Prophet also. And when you visit that grave, what do you do? When you come, when you pass, as you arrive over there, what will you say? Assalamu alayka ayyuhan nabiyu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alayna wa ala ibadillahi salihin. Basically what you say in the shahud. Alright? Why do you say that to him? Because this is the etiquette of greeting the person in the grave. Not that when you are sending the salam, you believe that he can hear you, so then you start talking about other things also. Right? I really love that sunnah of yours. And, you know, it's, no, you don't do that. Salam is conveyed. Alright? Through the angels of Allah. And we have been taught that when we pass by a grave of any believer, what should we do? We should greet. The greeting has been taught. So isn't the Prophet ﷺ deserving of that? Certainly. But that's it. That's it. You just say the salam. Alright? And then you, otherwise, you can send salat on the Prophet ﷺ. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala ali Muhammadin. Right? You can say that. Now, remember that there's also the grave of Abu Bakr anhu and Umar anhu, Right? So then of course, you have to uh, greet that also. So you will say, as you arrive at the grave of Abu Bakr, Assalamu alayka ya Abu Bakr. As you arrive at the grave of Umar anhu, Assalamu alayka ya Umar. And that's it. Alright? Just as you would greet any believer in his grave, you would do the same thing over here. So this is with regards to the grave. Okay? Now, the Riyadul Jannah. Riyadul Jannah, pray as much as you can over there. Alright? And just to make it clear, I don't know now what the color of the carpet is, but last time that I went, it was beige. Is it still the same? Green now? Wow. Green carpet. Alright, so you will know where Riyadul Jannah is, and your aim should be to perform salah over there. What people do is, women, because they're given a certain window of time, they will just go to the grave and they will stand there. There is confusion. When you go... These are two things you have to do. Alright? Two things you have to do. What are these two things? Visit the grave. Alright? Meaning, greet the three. And then, perform salah in Riyadhul Jannah, in that specified area, as much as possible. But please, once you're done your salah, don't just sit there, you know. There's other women waiting. 
Right? So when you're done your salah, get up and move on. So this is the second thing to do in the masjid. Otherwise, in the masjid of the Prophet wasallam, again, pray as much as you can, voluntary or faridah, because there is reward for that. When it comes to masjid Quba, masjid Quba, because the Prophet wasallam, visited this masjid, prayed over there, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loved the people who populated this masjid, and he praised this masjid that usisa ala taqwa. We should also, if we are able to, go to this masjid and pray salah over there. In a hadith in An Nasa'i, we learn that man kharaja hatta yatiya hadha al masjid, masjid Quba, fasalla fihi kana lahu adla umratin. That whoever goes out hatta yatiya hadha al masjid until he reaches this masjid, meaning masjid Quba. Meaning he goes and he reaches Masjid Quba and then he performs prayer in it, then he will have the reward equal to that of an Umrah. Equal to that of an Umrah. Alright? Some people, their obsession is go to Mecca, do Umrah, and then just go touch the Miqat, come back again, do Umrah, go touch it again, come do Umrah, and do like 10 Umrahs. Hmm? I mean... In a journey, typically, there should be one Umrah. Right? Because you go, it's one journey, so one Umrah. Maximum you can do is, you go to Makkah first, you do Umrah, you go to Medina, then from Medina as you go back to Makkah, you can do another Umrah. Alright? But the Umrah is not the only thing that you can do. There are other acts of worship also. And amongst them is, visit the Masjid Quba and perform Salah over there also. For the men, visiting the Baqir. What is the Baqir? The graveyard. Alright? That is also correct. In fact, it is good. They should go. It is recommended because the Prophet ﷺ encouraged us to go and visit the graves. The next is the Mount Uhud. It doesn't mean that you have to go and pray salah over there. No. This is a mountain about which the Prophet ﷺ said that we love it and it loves us. It loves us and we love it. So it is one of the places which the Prophet ﷺ loved and it loved the Prophet ﷺ also. So why shouldn't we love it? And when you love something, somebody, you like to go see it. Right? Like for example, if you've seen a picture of Niagara Falls and you fell in love with it. Right? Somebody told me that many years before they came to Canada, right? and they came to Canada like 40 years ago, Years before that, they had seen an image, and it must have been a black and white image back then. Right? They said they saw an image of the Niagara Falls, and they fell in love with it. They said when they found out they were coming to Canada, they were so happy. They said, yes, I can go see the falls myself. Right? So, I mean, yes, they're beautiful, of course. But imagine, Uhud, the Prophet ﷺ loved that place. This mountain loved the Prophet ﷺ. So we should also love it. And part of loving something is seeing it. Alright? So we can do that also. And that is about it. When it comes to Baytul Maqdis or Masjidul Aqsa, many Muslims don't pay a lot of attention to that. We will go to Makkah, we will go to Medina, but when it comes to Masjidul Aqsa, we think that's not for us. Is it for us too? Is it? Yes. So it should be our wish and our intention to also go there and pray there. 
right? And mashallah, many people have been, they go and uh, you know, go for a short time, a day or two, but pray there and leave. Making that journey is 100% worth it. Right? Inshallah, we'll conclude over here. Make dua, keep yourself busy in acting upon what we have been learning. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik, ashadu an la ilaha illa anta, astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.